Welcome back to season three of Perfectly Scarred Podcast. I am so excited that you guys are joining me in another season of this podcast. I feel like it's just going by so fast. But in this season, I really am just taking a step forward and just speaking with people who are advancing in the kingdom of God and and just, uh, you know, just wanting to pick their brains and just different topics that come up. And so, yeah, we may have we we're just going to have spiritual conversations. We have a topic, but also we're, we're going to let the Lord lead these conversations as well. So I'm just excited about what God is doing with the podcast, what God is doing with the platform. Um, if you don't know, I am starting a YouTube channel and I will have a date very soon. So if you don't follow me on social media, please go and follow Perfectly Scarred Podcast on Facebook and then Perfectly Scarred on Instagram. And I will leave the links in the description. Um, But this episode um, is with Brian Gardner. Brian is my brother in Christ and he attends Pentecost of Eldorado as well. And Brian is fierce. He's passionate and he's just excited to share the name of Jesus and truth. And he wants others to be in truth and coming from the place where he came from. Well, I'll let you, I'll let him tell you about him, but just coming from where he came from and how passionate he is to help others get out of those pits as well. It's so inspiring. And I'm just thankful that he joined me in our first episode of the podcast of this season of the podcast. So without further ado, here is to Saved for the Loss. Welcome to another episode of Perfectly Scarred Podcast. Today, I have a guest with me and Mr. Brian Garner with me today. <laughs> I pronounced that uh, right, didn't yeah. I? Yeah, you said it right. Brian Garner, you got it. <laughs> I mean, Brian is uh, someone we, we've been talking about him getting on the podcast for a while now, and I just was like, let's let's go for it. So... To start us off with this season, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. Um, and today our topic is saved for the loss. And so starting off, Brian, can you just introduce yourself and who you are and where you're from? Well, my name is Brian Garner, and I'm from uh, El Dorado or El Dorado, El Dorado, Arkansas, however you want to say it. Uh, I'm just a poor boy who got the Holy Ghost. Got baptized in Jesus' name, got set free, got my life changed, Amen. got my life turned upside down and all around, and uh, you know, just got set on the right track. And uh, never thought I'd be where I'm at today, but I'm thankful, I'm blessed, and uh, you know, uh, never, never would have dreamed that I could be uh, someone that God would use to speak through. You know, that mm-hmm. God would use to to use you know, to reach people. And he's, he's definitely, you know, put that hunger, that desire in my heart. And, uh, you know, I just try to, you know, ever since he pulled me out of the, the, the mud, you know, ever since he pulled me out of that miry clay and set my feet on a rock to stay, I just, you know, that's been my, that's been my drive is just to reach people with, with the, with the message, you know, and, uh, you know, that's why I'm here. You know, that's why I'm, that's why I'm alive. That's why I didn't die out there in the world in the condition that I was in. So praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 
So one of the things that I love about Brian is um, his passion, his passion for people, his passion for the lost, his passion just to, and his passion for his, the love of God, like it's all over him. And, um, but of course people can feel some type of way about it, but at the end of the day, when you have have somebody who has been in the pit, like he and I have been, um, then when you come, when you come out of that, you just want to share with everybody, right? You just want to share with everybody. So that, so I know his passion because I've been like, I, I, I feel it. So I understand it. I love it. Um, but can you just share a little bit about, uh, your background and how you got in the situation that you were in with your addiction and everything? Well, uh, you know, I've, I've actually been thinking about this today and I read, you know, when I, uh, when you told me what some of the questions were going to be, I got to thinking about it and, uh, you know, just to get honest about it, you know, what, you know, well, my, my parents divorced when I was probably about 11 or 12, probably about 12, somewhere in there. And, uh, you know, I was already kind of going that way. Like I was, you know, my brother, I had an older brother, you know, he was in, you know, he was in the music scene. He was in a band and, you know, I, I was already, you know, kind of, I kind of gravitated to that, to that scene, like the music scene and what went along with that, the culture of the drug culture just went along with that. You know, that was right. just kind of hand in hand, but during that period of my life, you know, my, my parents split up and uh, my, you know, my, my dad was my direction. You know, my dad was my authority. My dad was the one that I actually, you know, I've reverenced, I reverenced my dad, you know, if he said to do something, you know, I did it because yeah. I mean, he, he put that belt on you. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't no joke. You know, I mean, that was my dad. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> you know, when, when my parents split up, you know, I, me and my brother stayed with my mom, but the reason why we stayed with her really was because, you know, we knew we could pretty much get away with whatever we wanted. Yeah. So, you know, cause dad was the authority. So dad, dad left and, you know, not that he, not that he, not that he didn't necessarily want to be involved with us, but he right. just really wasn't. And, you know, because of that period of time in my life, you know, I, I wanted to do what I want to do because I was young. You know, I needed somebody to push me. I needed somebody to tell me what to do. I needed somebody to, to be my authority and be yeah. my direction because I was going to do what I want to do because I was young. Mm-hmm. So I needed somebody to, to, to basically force me into doing what was right. And mm-hmm. that's how it is when you're young, especially when you're a teenager. And I didn't have that. So my mom went to, my mom went to work, you know, she ended up, you know, when my dad was gone, my mom got a job. So she become a single mother raising two boys. And, you know, so she was at work all the time and the, she worked at a factory. So she worked, a it was a, a you know, mornings, evenings and nights. Yeah. Well, come on evening time when she was on that evening shift to that night shift what do you think I did whatever I wanted to <laughs> mm-hmm. you know yeah. and uh you know mom m- my mom is a wonderful person she's always been a wonderful person and she didn't always know God I mean she always she had a prayer life don't get me wrong my mom my mom's always had somewhat of a faith faith a measure of a faith mm-hmm. but she didn't have the Holy Ghost you know she didn't have the truth 
Right. And uh, so during that period of my life, my mom would, and nothing against her because she's been, my, she was my Jesus when I didn't have Jesus. Right. I mean, she yeah. was that woman taking me down gravel roads, you know, praying with me. I have track marks all over my arms. And I mean, she was the one, she got me, bailed me out of jail a lot. I mean, she was there for me. Don't get me yeah. wrong when I say this, but you know, she would, she was more, she, she was more my friend than she was my mom during that right. period of time in my life. And I'm just being yeah. honest, nothing against her, but, uh, she, and she would tell you that now too, but you know, my mom's got the Holy Ghost. My mom's baptized with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus name. And she's a totally different person too, yeah. because of what happened to me, you know, God used her for me and me for her. But anyways, you know, during that period of time in my life, because I did not have my dad there to be that authority figure, I run all over my mom. Yeah. No, I just did. I run all over. She couldn't keep up with me. I did what I wanted to do. I came in whenever I wanted to, you know, she would say, well, you need to be here at such such time. No, I'm going to, I'm going to get there what I want to get there. And mm -hmm. I just did what I wanted to. And because of that, you know, well, really it ruined my life. You know, my life was pretty much ruined by the time I was 16. You know, I was already, I, I was already dropped out of school. Okay. I was done with school by the age of 15, you know, and I was already, you know, I was already, you know, I found, I found alcohol and marijuana at the age of about 12 by the time I was 13 because I had an older brother and I hung out with older people because mm -hmm. I wanted to be cool. I wanted to fit in. You know, when you're young like that and you're going through those hormonal changes, you have a lot of insecurities. Okay. And so you, you tend to gravitate. Boy, I, whew, I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but you tend to gravitate you know, you'll, you you tend to gravitate to older people because right. you're not okay with yourself. And you see these older people, especially, you know, for me, you know, there was a clique at school that I wanted to be a part of. They were cool. You know, they wore different clothes. You know, they, they, they were, they were into the type of music that I was starting to gravitate to, you know, and like I said, my brother, my, you know, my brother was one of them long hair dude, played guitar and, you know, my, my cousin, same way. My cousin was the same way. So they always had a band and, you know, it was just, you know, that was the scene that I was gravitating to. So during this period of time in my life, you know, uh, because I was, I, I was surrounding myself with a lot of older people, mm -hmm. older, older kids, you know, some, some of those kids weren't even kids. They were already adults. Right. So I was able to get my hands on, on drugs, like, whatever really so by the time I was 13 you know I was already you know I was already drinking I was already smoking pot I was already you know messing around with stuff like LSD and psilocybin mushrooms and you know by the time I was 14 you know I took my first ride in a cop car by the time I was 14 I was already arrested for my first felony charge and uh you know that just become a that become a progression that you know that that become a continuing trend in my life. And by the time I was 16, you know, 15, I dropped out of school. 16, you know, I was already messing around with needles, you know, I was messing around with like cocaine and methamphetamine. Yeah. And so, so <laughs> by the time I was eight, stuff. Yeah. By the time I was 18, I was hopeless. I was yeah. ruined. My life was over with. Really, I would probably say probably really by 16, I was my life was probably pretty much ruined. But uh, cause I was already, you know, I was coming in what you know, sometimes I stay gone for two weeks. Mm -hmm. my mama wouldn't know where I was, you know, I might give her a, a, a proof of life call every three days, you know, just to let her know I was still alive or whatever. But, uh, so, you know, and I, you know, she tried to control me. She tried to do what she could. I mean, she's, you know, I come in intoxicated, been gone for a while and, you know, you know, st stuff would happen and the cops would get called or whatever. I mean, I've, 
had had to wrestle police in the driveway. I mean, I you know I went to a, a mental institution when I was like uh, sixteen or seventeen mm-hmm. because she put me there because of my behavior. And uh, but uh, I mean, you know, my mom had. And in fact, there I, I remember one incident where my mom literally called my dad to come over and subdue me because I was out of my head. And I remember I woke up one morning and I want to say I was about a 16 year old teenager. And I woke up one morning, literally duct taped to a chair mm. because that's what he had to do to, to control me because I was just, I was out of my head, you know, yeah. but, uh, I mean, I was a alcohol, alcoholic, you know, as a teenager, I mean, I was a blackout drinker and, and I would act like a Looney Tune, you know, a lot of times when I got drunk, you know, a lot, I mean, I, there's a lot of mornings I wake up, not remember what happened the night before and wake up in crazy situations. But anyways, you know, by the time I was 18, it was over with, I was hopeless. I was, I had no education. I, you know, I was, you know, I'd already been in a lot of trouble, you know, you know, I, I used to go see my probation officer as a teenager over at the old Murphy house, the Beecham home. Now they tore mm-hmm. that down. In fact, my dad was a foster kid there that I used to see my probation, my juvenile probation officer there. And then I lived there when it was a halfway house and then it's been since torn down. But, uh, you know, by the time I was 19, you know, I ended up getting with, with a, a, a girl that I had was in school with and, you know, we lived together and a lot of things happened and, you know, uh, she ended up dying and, uh, you know, I actually watched her die from the HIV and AIDS virus and, uh, mm-hmm. was with her for about four years. And, you know, I was miraculously blessed not contract that virus, which was a blatant miracle because, you know, we had shared needles and we had did a lot of things. There's no doubt I should have had it, mm-hmm. but but God, okay, but God, because he was looking into my future and he seemed that he, you know, he had a plan to use me. So anyways, you know, all of that, all of those things, the all, going to jail, drug overdoses, that happening to her, uh, watching her die, and all of that led me, and this is just a short version, but that led me to, you know, which I've been to six different rehabs in and out of AA. None of that worked for me. You know, I never could find no power and none of those things. Do you think, well, I know the answer, but I'm just for those that are, that may be struggling. Do you think that the divorce that y'all, your parents had, in, like it in, impacted that, that addiction that you had more? I think it did because... I think it, it, it going, just going back to my dad, not being around anymore Yeah, because he, I mean, I knew where he was at, but he wasn't there. He wasn't in my everyday life anymore. Mm -hmm. And because he wasn't involved in my everyday life anymore, you know, he wasn't there to put that get right in me because he was my dad. He could put the get right in me if he wanted to. And he did when he was around. So I don't believe, I don't believe that I have, not saying I wouldn't have, not saying that I wouldn't have never tried drugs or anything like mm-hmm. that. I just don't think I would have went as far into it as I did if he had been around. And I'm just being honest, you know, it's something I've thought a lot about. And, you know, that's the problem with a lot of young people in America today is they don't have no, they don't have no father. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, they don't have no dad there. I mean, you can have a you can have a father, you can know who fathered you, but if he's not there to be a dad, that makes all the difference. And I'm not saying that it's I'm not blaming my dad, I'm not blaming my mom, I'm not mad at them. It happened, you know, this is what happened. It's you know, it's life, you know. It's yeah. unfortunately it's it all goes back to sin, but uh <clears throat> I'm thankful that I'm where I'm at today. If all of those things didn't happen. Who knows? Right. You know, I might have not, I might have not got saved. I might have not yeah. got sanctified. I might not know what I know today. So I'm not, you know, I don't have any resentment or anything, but I do believe that if my parents had stayed together, I do believe that I, I, I probably wouldn't have went so deep into what I went into. Right. I just believe things would have been, I believe things would have been different. And mm -hmm. I have, I still wish my parents were married. I do. You know, I wish they were married. I, I, I miss them being married, even though I'm almost 40 years old. So yeah, it hurts. You know, anytime yeah. parents split up and I have good parents, I have, I had parents that love me. You know, I know my parents love me. I know my mom loves me. I know my dad loves me. I don't doubt that at all. I mean, you don't get somebody out of jail 52 million times if you don't love them. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now they quit getting me out eventually, but, <laughs> but they got me out a lot, you know? And yeah. So I just wanted but, to yeah. acknowledge well, I just said, I asked that because I want to acknowledge that, that even at a young age, you know, we have, we have a lot of, fam we see a lot of divorce within the yeah. walls. And so, and it, and it, and it does something to our children and it's yep. like, well, they'll be all right, but no, they, no. we have to actually care to that wound because we don't know what they are. So you, you already had insecurities and then this happened. So it's just feeding the the wound that you already had the insecurities that you right. already had so our children are already dealing with things and we have mm -hmm. to acknowledge that um because it can go it can start to spiral out of control if we don't right. catch it right then not right. saying that you should stay in a loveless marriage or i'm not i'm not the one to call that or right. anything but i am the one to acknowledge hey if you do decide this it will impact the kids Right. Like you, you have to think about the kids and have a plan for them on how to heal this. But that's one of the reasons why it's so important to make sure that it's that it's before you get married, that you're marrying the right person. That's right. why it's so important to pray and, you know, don't just go out and marry somebody. Don't just go out and lay down with somebody, you know, seek God for your spouse. So that way you make sure that that the will of God is being done. I mean, I'm not saying that even that can't go away because anything's possible. I'm just saying, yeah. you know, that's why marriage, marriage is one of the it, marriage is the second most important thing that you'll decide in your life. Because, you know, if you don't marry the right person and it don't work out and you have kids, you're not just you two, you both are not going to be the only ones affected. Your children will be too. Right. And it can really mess a lot of things up. It, <laughs> It all goes back to, you know, every action has a reaction. You know, oh, that's yeah. just, that's the way it is. But your dad, a dad, especially for a, a, a male, the dad is the one that helps that male develop confidence. The dad is the one that gives that child, even the daughter. I mean, it, this works, this works for a son and a daughter. It's not just for the male, but especially the male especially right. the male, the dad is the direction. Okay. Right. The dad is the, is the one that, you know, that's the one that makes sure that his family is going the right way. Yeah. I mean, that's a dad's job. 
you know, mm-hmm. and uh, during when you're a when you're when you are becoming a teenager, you're you're leaving your childhood and you're starting to you know you're going through those hormonal changes. Like you were saying, there's a lot of insecurities already just naturally that come with that. And that's one of the things that the dad does is to help the dad helps you overcome those insecurities by building you up, giving you direction, you know, leading you, you know, teaching you to be a man, you know, I'm just saying, yeah, a a woman can't, a woman can't really teach a man to be a man because a woman's not a man. No. Okay. So that's why that's not her job. It's, It's a man's job to teach his son to be, to, to be a man. It's a man's job right. to do that. So, so what if, so what if that, that mom doesn't have that dad to look to? The, the best thing a mom can do is give it to God. Mm-hmm. God. I mean, I believe that God can give, I mean, you know, if, if, if a mom doesn't have that man around to be that to that child, then that mom better really be praying for that child. Yeah. You know, that mom better be asking God, for the ability to do it. I'm not saying that he can't help her to do it, but I still believe that specifically it's still a man's job. I mean, that's, yeah. That's to just, be able to receive the help as well. Right. Because I, we have the, like, we have the ability. God will bring people into our lives. He will bring male role right. models into our lives. Well, that's true. And we have to be able to, as moms, I'm not a mom, but I'm just saying, if you want this for your child, you got to get your hands off and let that man be that role model. Right. And let that man speak and not come behind them and say, well, you don't have to do that because no, you, you disqualify everything that that man can say then. If a woman does not have a man in her life to be that to that child, then what she needs to do is raise that child up in Jesus mm-hmm. because Jesus can, can bring that, that child into manhood or, or that daughter into daughterhood, whatever the case may be. I'm just saying the best role model any of us can have is Jesus Christ. That's right. Period. That's right. You know, period. That's right. So if that, that, if that other part of the marriage is gone, then just better plug that child into Jesus at an early age. That's right. Amen. I don't even think that wasn't even in our, that was God. Hey, he's leading it. <laughs> so I want you to go into how you came to um, just realize that you needed to change or what happened. Like, because you were living a certain way and it kind of just shifted. How long, how well, long did that, how old were you when you converted? Well, I was 28 when I got baptized with the Holy Ghost. Okay. okay. And I'm, I'm about to turn 38 this year. So it's been about 10 years ago, but, uh, Actually, I started wanting to get my life right several years before I got it right. Mm-hmm. Okay. When I, when I watched uh, Carrie die in Oklahoma City, that did something to me mm-hmm. because I had never, I had never watched someone die in such a horrible way and been so close to it. Mm-hmm. And it happened so quickly. It was very, tra- it was very traumatizing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when that happened, you know, that was really when I really started spiraling. Like, I mean, I got, I mean, I had, I had had moments where I had been kind of bad on drugs before, but after that happened, I got really bad. 
you know, and yeah. I stayed bad. You know, I just, I never, the only times that I couldn't not be bad was when I would like go somewhere and be somewhere like in a rehab or something for a while. But what brought me back to the, just the, the idea that I really needed God was rehab. I mean, it did because I went to rehab and I went, you know, they, they were, it was a 12, they were 12 step programs. And though they might've not been talking about Jesus, but they did point you to a power that was greater than you. Right. And it, you know, the, the thing about 12 steps, 12 step programs, like 12 step rehabs, you know, they were able to convince me that I had this problem. Okay. It didn't take long to convince me. I already knew I had a problem, but the, you know, when you go in a place like that, you know, they break down addiction to you and they, they basically, they convince you that you are absolutely hopeless and you're not going to be able to do this without some kind of divine intervention, some kind of higher power, you know, and I had all of the signs. There was no doubt. I mean, I remember the first time I went to rehab, I remember, I was convinced very quickly. I knew I had this, this addiction thing, this alcoholic thing. I knew I had it. You know, I, I, you know, I know that I had generational spirits too, because it's, you know, alcoholism and drug addiction was in my family. It was on my dad's side. Now my dad never went that way, but all of his family, my dad only didn't, the only reason my dad didn't go that way because he grew up around, he grew up in an abusive home. He was a foster child. His mom, my grandmother died of liver cirrhosis in the eighties. You know, she drank her, her liver completely away. So, I know that I had that, that generational thing going on, you know, looking back, I realized that, that those kind of things are true generational curses. I believe yeah. that I believe there's generational spirits, but I believe the blood breaks that off the blood of Jesus Christ. But uh, anyways, so, you know, I really come to that realization though, that I was going to have to find God right. by going through 12 step programs. Now for a while, I was convinced that the only way was AA and NA you know, that I had to work these 12 steps to get free of that. But see, my problem was, is I never, I never could see me actually being able to get through all of the 12 steps simply because some of the steps meant that I would have to go back and make an amends to a lot of people. And I was going to have to confess. There was, there was a fourth step and a fifth step where you had to like confess all your dirt to mm-hmm. somebody. Like you literally sit there with them and you tell them all these horrible things that you've done and, you know, it took me a long time before I could do that. Now I, I finally was able to do it, but mm-hmm. it took several years. I had to get beaten up and broken enough before I was just so desperate that I wanted to get free of this thing. And I did it. And then when I did it, guess what? Right after I did one, I went and got intoxicated. So, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I was expecting some kind of great, some kind of great release, like some kind of great pressure valve release after doing that. Yeah. And I didn't get that. Yeah. And I, I guess I put too much hope in that, but, uh, you know, I never, I never could get past the fifth step of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, I never could get past that fifth step. Once I did that fifth step, you know, I'd always end up going back out and getting high again or getting drunk again or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I got, I, I finally got sick and tired. I finally got to a place in 2012 where I was so bad off, you know, I was having strokes mm. and, uh, you know, I would, I would stroke out and literally like, you know, I would stay up, you know, just, you know, doing drugs, you know, putting a bunch of drugs in my body. I would stay up for days and days and days and days. And then I would, you know, I would lay in a bed and I would 
literally half my body would stop working. My fingernails would hurt. My literally the I could not even touch the top of my head because my hair follicles would hurt. I would be enriched in pain, like just excruciating pain. And then half my body would stop working. And, uh, you know, I would stink because all the chemicals coming out of my body. I'd have bulls on my body from having a horrible staph infection. And I would be hearing voices and I'd be hearing people talk about me. And I remember, you know, that year, you know, I would, and this would happen several times, you know, where half my body would quit working. I would be dragging my leg behind me, literally talking like half my, my face would be sagging. Okay. I mean, I was dying. Clearly I was dying. My mom was telling people she didn't expect me to live another year, but uh, <laughs> it was horrible. And I remember that last, that last time that I had used drugs, I remember sitting on the edge of my bed. I had bulls all over my body. I was hearing people talk about me outside my bedroom window. I mean, I was hallucinating. I was hearing voices mm -hmm. and they were talking about how horrible, how, how sick I was, you know, how perverted I was, how just disgusting I was. And it pricked me in the heart, in my heart because I, I had come to enough of my senses to hear what those voices were saying and know that what they were saying was true. Yeah. <laughs> and because of that, you know, at that moment, that was when I cried out to, to Jesus. I mean, I just, you know, I, I repented, you know, I, like, you know, I told God, I was like, here I am. If you want me, you can have me. Nobody else wants me, you know, but here I am God, you know, and uh, you know, that, that, that moment, that moment was like when, cause my mom had been talking to me about going to this ministry in Louisiana and uh you know, I had looked up, I had looked at it online. I was like, ah, I ain't going to that, you know, <laughs> but that last time that I used was so bad and it, and it hurt, it just hurt my body so bad. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I was just tired, you know, because I had been doing this for a long time mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, God had made a way to where all of my, cause I was on probation you know, I was on a deferred sentence from Texas. Well, I was actually on a suspended sentence from Texas because it was deferred, but then I got caught some more charges. But, uh, you know, I had transferred from Texas to Oklahoma, from Oklahoma to Arkansas, and I was seeing probation office officer here for two years. And then I, the Texas told me that if I caught any more charges, that they were going to ba basically, I was, my, my stuff was going to get revoked because I was on a suspended imposition. So I was going to have to go back to, to Rockwall, Texas. I was going to have to do the time day for day charge. And, uh, but what God did was that last time I went to jail, because I went to jail here in El Dorado, I had, I had gotten, uh, I had three, D, three DWIs in Arkansas, but I had one in Oklahoma too. But the, the third one I got in Arkansas, Judge Van Hook gave me five months in jail. And I, and I got two DWIs, two in two weeks. Well, I got one one week, and then I got out on bond and got another one the next week by the same cop and went to jail. And I was in jail for about three months. I was on a house arrest monitor. I got out. I got out on a, well, I got out of jail on a house arrest monitor after three months. And then I went to see my probation officer and mysteriously all my paperwork had vanished. It was just gone. All of it was gone. Okay. And she didn't know what to do with me. She's like, I don't, all your, your files gone, your paperwork's gone. Is this still your address? Is this still your phone number? I'll call you when I know what to do with you. Well, I just went home and I never reported again after that because she didn't tell me to come back. Okay. Something happened, and I think she probably would have been in trouble or something. I really don't know what happened. Well, I do know what happened. God intervened, because let me tell you something. If 
if my pro if my probation had a got revoked, I would have went to do the TDC time in Texas. Right. And I never would have made it to that ministry. Okay. Yeah. So God organ organized all of that because, and I'm just giving you the short version of all of this, condensed yeah. down. But God uh God or organized all of that so that I would go to that ministry in Louisiana and that ministry is where I got the baptism of the Holy ghost. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, I was, I had started praying in Jesus, you know, I started seeking the name of Jesus. You know, my mom had always told us about Jesus when we were growing up. Okay. She always, she had planted that seed in our hearts, you know, my mom and my dad, you know, but, uh, you know, at the little old Baptist church, you know what I mean? (laughs) But there just wasn't no power in it. Okay. But, uh, when I, when I learned, when I, when I really started seeking that name of Jesus, like really seeking the name of Jesus right. out of desperation, because, you know, I'd done been to rehab six times. I knew I had this addiction problem. I knew I had this alcoholic problem. You know, I, I, I you know, I would, I would throw, I would drink and, and black out and that crazy. I would throw my alcohol in the dumpster. And then by the end of the day, I was going to dig it back out to drink it. I would take my syringe, my old rusty syringe, throw it in the woods or my crack pipe throw in the woods. And by the end of the day, I was going out there to the woods to get it. I'm just saying that's just where I was at. I mean, I was hopeless. But uh, so when I went to that, when I went to that ministry, uh, I was 28 years old. And, uh, you know, I went there not knowing my left or my right, my up or my down. I, I considered myself that 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 uh, variable in the algebra equation. I didn't know what I was anymore. You know, I just <laughs> I was lost. I was hopeless, I you know, and I just remember <laughs> I just remember when they when I decided to go. I just remember them telling me, if you want to leave early, don't call us. We ain't going to come and get you. OK, I mean that's what I told them. But I went down there with an open mind. Uh, and a willingness and a humility. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just, I just kept praying in the name of Jesus. They told me about that experience called the baptism of the Holy ghost and fire. I had never heard of it. Nobody had ever talked to me about anything like that. You know, I didn't know nothing about the power of God. You know, I didn't know that. I didn't know Acts chapter one, verse eight, where it says, and you shall receive power when the Holy ghost comes upon you and you shall be my witness in Judea, Samaria, and even unto the ends of the earth. I didn't know that scripture. And, uh, so, you know, I went down there and I was just, I was just desperate enough to believe that this experience that they were talking about was for me. They said that, that I would receive power. They said that it would be evidenced by speaking in a heavenly language, you know, speaking in tongues, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I was, I was always told that that was the devil, that that was crazy. And I'll never forget 2011. I was going, I was in the acts class back in 2011 (laughs) And I remember I was I was going there. I was trying to get my driver's license back. I remember seeing uh, Brother Fout. Now I didn't. You got to understand back during this time, I didn't have nothing but negative things to say about that church over there. Okay? <laughs> that wasn't my church back then. But I remember yeah. seeing him lay his hand on somebody, and he was praying and he was speaking in tongues. And I thought, man, the people are crazy. I'll never let them do that to me. But let me tell you something. A year later, that happened to me. Yeah. But you know. You know, they, they, you know, where I was at, they laid hands with, they prayed with me. You know, I didn't receive the Holy Ghost right then, but I just, I believed it was for me. You know, something was pushing me to keep praying for it. Yeah. Even though I didn't really know nothing about it, something was just pushing me to keep praying for it. And, you know, I had that experience in Mobile, Alabama, and uh, a big revival because where I was at, you know, they would go to a lot of different churches, you know, not just any one church. They yeah. would go to different denominational churches, but generally it was always spirit-filled churches. Yeah. 
They never went to no one that's Pentecostal church, though. But they went to a lot of charismatic churches and Assembly of God, you know, churches like that. But uh, that revival in Mobile was where I was, where I had my first just real, just, I'm talking about just explosive experience. Now, I didn't speak in tongues, but I had an explosive experience Yeah. where, you know, I was praying, you know, about 4,000 people was in this place praying and seeking God. And I was praying and I was asking God to give me an experience in there that would give me lifelong faith. And I was praying and asking him to baptize me with the Holy Ghost and fire, even though I didn't even really know what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. But that's what I was praying. And I, I had my hands lifted and I'll never forget, you know, it was like a, a powerful force jumped in my body. And I remember I could feel the tangible presence of God all around me. It was overwhelming. And it was as if something jumped in my body, but it was as if someone else was looking through my eyes. And I remember when I would look at the people around me, they had a glowing aura around them. I mean, it was unlike any, look, I wasn't tripping no acid. I wasn't rolling no X pills. I wasn't tripping no shrooms. I wasn't on nothing. I was stone cold sober and I was praying in Jesus name. Okay. Come on. on. (laughs) And I had an experience and I knew I was never going to be the same. Let me tell you, I I smelt heavenly fragrances, like heavenly aromas, like, but what, it wasn't no perfume. It was supernatural. This now I know what it was now since I've grown and I've learned it was the anointing. I was smelling because, you know, you know, you'll hear Jesus referred to as like the Rose of Sharon. Okay. Well, that was God. I was smelling that. I was smelling that fragrance of love, that yeah. love of God. Okay. And that, that anointing, that, that sweet, sweet, sweet anointing. I was smelling that the perfume of Jesus and it was mm-hmm. wonderful. But, uh, <clears throat> I knew after that experience, I would never be the same. Yeah. And, uh, I, it was like, I was lifted into a whole nother dimension. Mm-hmm. Now I hadn't spoken tongues yet though. I didn't speak in tongues till about two or three days after that. And uh, I was at a, I was at a, I was actually back at that ministry and I was praying and I remember something was trying to come up out of my throat. Okay. It was like a frog was trying to come up out of my throat, but it wouldn't come out. I turned, literally turned solid blue. My hands curled in and folded in. A power came on me and I was just like almost, I was almost like paralyzed. There were people there seeing what was transpiring upon me and it scared them. Now, I didn't know what was going on because you have to understand, I didn't know nothing about nothing. I was just a, a rotten sinner. Yeah. Okay. But let me tell you that very next day, I, I woke up, I could feel God. I could just feel God. And it was like the people around me, the, it was like the people around me looked like people from ancient times. Now, I know that sounds weird, but during that time, it was just the anointing was on me. And it was yeah. like the people around me, it was like I had, I don't know, it was just strange. But I spoke in tongues that day at a chapel service and I'll never forget. I was, I was in that chapel service and I just, it was like a well was welling up within my stomach. I just felt this, boy, I didn't know about rivers of living water flowing from my belly. I never read that scripture before, but it was like something was just welling up in my stomach. It was at this chapel service and all these people started worshiping God. And I just felt this, this welling up, this welling up and I couldn't contain it. Yeah. And I know, oh my God, my hands were tingling. My whole body was tingling. And I, I remember I stood up and as soon as I stood up and I lifted my hands up, let me tell you something, that language rolled out my mouth and I started speaking in other tongues as the spirit gave me the, the utterance. And it was after that experience where it was just my faith, just pow, my faith got wow. big, it just exploded. And I just continued to have many more experiences, you, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, but that's what, that was, that was my conversion. 
Yeah. You know, in a nutshell, condensed down. But, yeah. And I was only at that ministry for three months. It was a year-long program. In fact, God led me out the back door at about five o'clock one morning. I packed up my Bibles and books that I had acquired there. And I took off walking and I walked almost all the way from Ruston, Louisiana, back to El Dorado. I finally hitchhiked after about 60-something miles. What made you leave? God would say, let's go. Hmm. My time was done there. God had did the work in there. I had a lot of experiences. I, I was forever changed. Yeah. And uh, some things transpired in there that, uh, you know, I didn't understand. And they couldn't explain it to me, the people there. Yeah. I was having some experiences. They thought they they thought I had a devil. <laughs> really? They thought I had a devil. Really? I'm serious. No joke. Because, I mean, yeah. I was like, I was operating in spiritual gifts discernment yeah. like I was feeling things I'd never felt the people that I was staying with I was feeling like their demons on them and just all kinds of stuff oh, but it was just because I had just got the anointing and I didn't know nothing about all these things okay yeah. and I was having these these manifestations of God and I was operating in in gifts that I didn't know nothing about I was speaking in tongues there was a, a guy that I had befriended in there that I was speaking in tongues well, he he had he had gotten the Holy Ghost too, and he was interpreting these this tongue, and he was writing down when I was speaking tongues. He would write it down, and it would be what I had been praying about all week. But he didn't know what I had been praying about, wow. so he was interpreting the tongues I was speaking. Okay, yeah. and it was like God was talking to me. It was just it was awesome, and uh, but uh, just other some other things were, was going on manifestations that they couldn't explain. So I took a hike. I knew it was time for me to go and I, and, and I left and uh, I come back home and, you know, my mom, you know, everybody received me with loving arms. It wasn't like, Oh, you got to go back or anything like that. But you know, I believe what they said when they said, don't call us if you need to, if, you, if, you, if you're going to leave early. So I took off walking, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, I, when I come back, because I had been connected to the Pentecostals of El Dorado back in 2011 to the Acts class, mm -hmm. that was a lifesaver. That connection with the Axe program and Brother Fout and the people there, that that is why I'm where I'm at today. Because I come back and I went to some different churches. Mm -hmm. Okay, but they weren't the right churches. You know, right. I didn't know about the G I didn't know about Jesus name, water baptism. I hadn't found that in the Bible yet. I'd received the Holy Ghost, but I just didn't know about those. I didn't know about you know the necessity of water baptism in the name of Jesus. I didn't know that water yeah. baptism in was the, was it, what, I didn't know that it was, that it would forgive my sins, that it was for the remission of sins. Right, right. I just hadn't read all, all that hadn't been brought out to me yet. Yeah. So that connection with the Pentecostals Velredo brought me into the knowledge of that truth. They planted the seed, they showed it to me, and I just, and I went, you know, when I finally made my way back over there, because I knew, I knew that they could, I just knew that they could explain some things to me, some things yeah. that I had going on, some of these manifestations, and they did. Brother Fout could he 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 explained a lot of those things to me. You know, Sister Smith and I remember back then uh, we had a brother Jim Williams was there, and you know they were able to explain some things to me that this church that this place that I was at in Louisiana could, yeah. which it was all it was all God's will. I was supposed to make my way back here. I was supposed to connect to the Pentecostals of El Dorado, and Brother Fout was is is supposed to be my pastor. You know, I met my wife there, and you know it all. It all, you know, I watched my life just fall into place. I yeah. watched it fall into place. Now, there's been a lot of 
a lot of things happened in the process of it all that were a lot of failures and, you know, a lot of, I'm not going to lie, sin, you know, I've had to repent, you know, I've mm-hmm. had to get my life right many times. Yeah. But, uh, you know, because of that, because of where I was, you know, I just, I've made my mind up that I'm not going to go back to that. Right. You know, you know I, you know, a lot of people talk about what, what all they gave up. Well, I had to give up this hundred thousand dollar a year job and da, 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 da. you know what I had to give up a whole lot of sin and a whole lot of pain and anguish. You know what I got from it? I got a good paying job. Come on. Okay. I got a beautiful wife. Yeah. I got my own house. I got good credit. I'm just yeah. saying <laughs> Oh, it's all stuff that I've never had before. Yeah. You know, I got a life, you know? Yes. So, you know, for me, it was an upgrade. Right. <laughs> Getting the Holy Ghost was an upgrade. Yes. You know, he upgraded me. Even besides yeah. the those things, though, the, the most of what I have is peace. You know, I have a I have a hope. I have a higher calling. Yeah. You know, I have a ministry. You know, he he's put a ministry upon my life. Yeah. So he gives us purpose. Right. Because we, we, because when we're in sin, we, we're not living for the purpose that he designed us to live. Right. The life that he designed us to live. So we're, we're always, that's why it's so hard. And even on, on my end, it's so hard for people to be settled with one thing when they, when they're, when, even when they get that great job, they still right. want the next thing. They still want right. the next you know, it's never, good enough. it's never good enough. Nothing is ever good enough. You're right. always going to that next thing because you're always trying to fulfill only the purpose that God can give you. Right. And well, he, you know, he blesses us, Yeah. but he blesses us in his timing right. because he, you know, the thing is he's trying, he's trying to prepare us to be a good steward of the blessings that he wants to put in our life. And that's a process, you know, mm-hmm. it's a process in becoming a good steward. You know, you're not going to be a good steward. I mean, the Bible says to whom much is giving, given much is expected, mm-hmm. you know? So the thing is we have to be able to be trusted with, with a little so that he can prepare us for a lot. Right. If he just dumped everything on us all at one time, whether it be money, whether it be a bunch of kids, whatever it is. Yeah. then we, we might, we wouldn't, we might not be able to handle it and it could destroy right. us. So he gives it to us in his timing when he knows that we're prepared when we're ready for it. That way we can be a good steward with what he gives us, you know? So, and we, we just have to trust the process of it all because that's the thing about, that's the thing about the Lord. You know, he, you know, he's taken us through, through a process, you know, I mean, you know, we go through all these different seasons, you know, and the seasons that we go through teach us how, well, they teach us patience. Oh, yeah. You know, we got to let patience have its, have its perfect work in us because if we get ahead of God and we don't let patience have it, have its perfect work in us, then we won't be complete. Right. He's trying to make us whole. Yep. He's trying to make us complete. You know, so that way, because he wants to bless us. He wants yeah. to, he wants to give us an abundance of life. You know, he wants to give all these things to us, but we have to be, we have to get to a place where we can be trusted with it. 
Right. And that's a, that's a process that takes some seasons, you know, that takes yeah. some, that takes, that takes some messing up, that takes some falling, that takes some getting, you know, for you to know what it's like to fall, you, you know, for you to know, for you to know what it's like to get up, you had to fall first. Mm-hmm. Huh? I'm just saying, you know, I went through a season this past winter, it was rough, yeah. but he clipped some branches off of me mm-hmm. and spring came and now I'm bearing fruit. You know, praise the Lord. And that's the thing. That's this, that's, that's this walk with God. You know, we have to trust the process because he has a process. He's taken us through a process and it's going to be like that. Our sanctification, it's a process, you know, and God blesses us along the way as he sees us as ready for those blessings. He, He gives us those blessings you know, when he knows that we can be trusted with him, you know, and praise the Lord for that. Yeah. Because if, if he just, if he just spoiled us and just dumped everything that we asked for on us all at one time, it would destroy us. Right. You know, thank thank God for his, thank God for the, for the, for, for for the process, you know, thank God for it. Hallelujah. Yeah. I think a lot of people, they see, they see you, they see your wife, they see Olivia and they're like, okay, I want to get there. And it's just like, you, you got to fight. It's yeah. a fight. It's a battle to come out of what y'all came out of. And even me, you know, it, it doesn't matter what you came out of it's, but especially anything that you have, you have had your mind altered for right. so long. Right. And you speak on that a little bit. Well, I mean, the thing, the thing is, you know, when we come to God, we come to God and we, you know, one of the things that God's word does is it retrains our mind. It washes our mind because, you know, that's our issue. Our, our, you know, when we come to God, especially when we come to God later on in life, our mind is trained in sin. Mm -hmm. It's trained in, in sinful ways of thinking. And because it's trained in sinful ways of thinking, it manifests in, in sinful attitudes, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, so, you know, it takes God's word to retrain. It takes prayer and God's word to retrain our mind. You know, it right. takes meditating on the scriptures because the scriptures, it washes and renews our mind, you know, and that, and, and look, that's a process <laughs> that takes time. Rome wasn't built in a day. You know, I mean, because that's the, one of the things we're doing is we're, you know, God with with God's power, with God's word is is he is helping us retrain the way we think for crying out loud. And that's yeah. that's hard to do. Yeah, You can't do it on your own. It yeah. takes his power. It takes his word, you know, and it takes time. Yeah, I'm still I'm still working on it. I'm still having to. You know, I still have stuff that tries to jump back in my mind from my past and I have right. to take it captive. I have to, you know, I have to, I have to take every thought captive, you know, every thought I have to take every thought captive. I have to cast down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. And I got to get rid of it, yeah. you know, and that's a, that's a lifelong process. I don't think we ever quit doing that. Honestly, it does get better, yeah. you know, because of the way you think, you know, the Bible says out of the heart, you know, out of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks and out of the heart are the issues of life. Right. So whatever you're meditating on, whatever you're thinking about, whatever's in your heart is where you're going to go. That's what directs you is your heart. 
you know? So if your heart's full of wickedness, then guess what? You're going to go to the wickedness. Yeah. Right. So that's why, you know, it, you know, for us to, for us to go in the direction that God would have us to go. That's why we got to pray. Yeah. We got to fast. We got to meditate on his word, you know, and it's got to be a daily thing. It's got to be something that we, that we're doing every day, all day. Look, I try to, I try to think about Jesus all day long. I mean, I've been walking around today singing to him. You know what I mean? I drive down the road in my Terminex truck speaking in tongues. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to keep my mind right. I'm trying to keep my heart right. You know, I'm trying to go the right way. <laughs> you know, you talking to somebody, I, I play sermons all day. Just hey, to, I mean, you know, I think I, I was speaking in tongues one day and I was just like, oh, Lord, help me. Let me go to the church. You know, right. I'll go to the church real quick on them. You know. Hey, praise <laughs> but the you Lord. have to. You have to. Yeah. You have to. So I wanted to kind of veer into some of the challenges that you've faced you are you're a believer now you're converted you in apostolic like what what are the challenges that you have like you could just say a couple or one or two that you have faced that you believe other people face and that's the reason why they don't make it and one is the mind because we just talked about it but some other things like you you've felt just from not being born in this well i think i think one of the challenges you know, that I've had to, you know, coming into this and, you know, I mean, I, I wanted this, you know, I I had the supernatural experiences, you know, it, you know, it motivated me. Well, and I, plus I was motivated by my past, Mm -hmm. but then I had the supernatural experiences. So because of that super, those supernatural experiences, it gave me a faith. I knew that God was real. So there wasn't no doubt about that. And uh, so with with that motivating me, you know, some of the challenges that I had early on was, you know, past sins. Yeah. Okay. And because I struggled with stuff, you know, I struggled, you know, because God will, man, he'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and he'll set you free of a lot of stuff. But then some stuff, some stuff he don't set you free automatically. Right. And some stuff you got to work at it. Mm-hmm. And that's that can be discouraging for people because, you know, they have this experience they they you know, they were believing, I'm going to get the Holy Ghost. I'm going to get set free. And a lot of people think that just because they get the Holy Ghost and get baptized in Jesus' name, that everything's going to be hunky-dory. They think that all my problems are going to go, go away. And that's just not the way it is. You know, I got set free of a lot of things and my life got way, way, way better. Wouldn't have took much to get, you know, <laughs> wouldn't have took much for my life to get better. To be honest with you, though, my life was bad. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, I've been, you know, I've been arrested more times. I got fingers and toes count on and, and, and just all the torment of the, of all the stuff I had going on right up there towards the end, especially. But thing is, you know, at the beginning, because I don't, you don't have a lot of word in your heart and, you know, not every, you know, I did, I didn't even have somebody there that was there all the time, like plugging me into the word. I mean, I had to plug myself into the word. I had to want it. I have to, I had to pray. I had to fast. I mean, I had to go hard after it, you know? And one of the things that, you know, one of the things that was discouraging was I could, I could pray. I could even fast. I could even get in God's word, but then I could turn around and sin like willfully sin. 
Yeah. And it was just like, ah, you know, and I would be so ashamed and it, I, I would get so discouraged. And, and then, you know, once you fall, it's like, then, then the hellhounds come yeah. and the hellhounds come and they put all these other thoughts in your mind and you just start getting bombarded. Right. And I think for a lot of people, I think that's what happens is, is they get the Holy Ghost, they get baptized in Jesus name, they have an experience, they, they get set free of some things, they get some peace, they get some joy. But then there's that one thing that they just can't seem to overcome, you know, and they just keep, they're battling it. They're falling, they're getting up, they're falling, they're getting up, they're falling, they're getting up, they're falling. And my encouragement to everybody is just keep getting up and just keep going after him because eventually you will get the victory. You will get the victory. The thing is he lead, he, he allows certain things in your life because he is, he is trying to show you his gracious mercy he's trying to show you his gracious mercy let me tell you something i have messed up i have willfully sinned i have dropped the ball i have i have done something bad and guess what i repented i got up i prayed i fasted i got in my book and the very next day i won a soul very next day he led me to a soul i'm talking about not just not just getting them to pray i'm talking about literally we went got baptized they got the holy ghost it's happened yeah. And I just sinned the day the, the day prior, but I got up. I repented. I really meant it. I really didn't want to do that no more. You know, yeah. it was just I had a struggle. You know, I had something yeah. I was struggling. I had a weakness. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, God's grace is is sufficient in our weaknesses. Amen. And it don't matter. You know, a, a, a righteous man falls seven times, and guess what? He gets back up. Yeah. <laughs> That's the blessing and the beauty of this is as long as we just keep trying, as long as we just keep moving forward, primarily I'm progressing to a profound perfection. I haven't arrived yet. I'm on my way. You know, primarily I'm primarily I'm progressing to a profound perfection. That's the thing. God's expectation over us is not perfection, perfection. His expectation over us is progression. He expects us to progress. And if we keep progressing, then eventually we will achieve perfection. When that last trump sounds and the dead in Christ rise first and those that are alive and remain are caught up with him in the air to be with the Lord forevermore. That's when I reach perfection. The Bible says, the Bible says that, uh, that if you have this hope, which is to see him as he is, if you have that hope to see him as he is, then you will purify your own self. So as he is pure. So we got to purify our, our own self. You know, we, we got to strive to enter the straight gate. We got to work at it. Yeah. It's, it's not going to happen overnight. So my, you know, when you fall, get up and just keep moving forward, you know, and submit to your pastor, submit to him. You know, if you got to go and talk to your pastor about something you're struggling with, do it, yes. do it. Don't hide it. You'll find that more than likely he already knows anyways. Yeah. And he can pray with you. And confession breaks chains. Man, it does. Oh my goodness. When when you <laughs> be honest. Tell her where you at. Like just just and I always say, have someone that you can confess to. Right. Because that one, because if you're in your mind, you're gonna do what you're but when you call someone and say, Hey, I I I'm dealing with this and right. I'm about to do this. Right. And they can talk you back. I remember I called Olivia one time and I <laughs> she talked me off the ledge. And I mean, and that has been many a times, but I know that I can call her and right. she'll be like, Kayla, snap out of that. 
you know, yeah. just, just get out of it. And, and at the end of that, I'm like, thank you Lord for doing that. Because most of the time we don't do that and we end up falling. Right. Cause we don't have that accountability, but you have to, but it was scary if, when I first called her, you know, because I was like, she's going to judge me. She's going to talk about me. She gonna, you know, we have that all in our mind. Like, and that's right. how I thought about pastor. I was like, he's going to judge me. I'm, I'm telling him my business. He's like, he going to just, but it's like, no, he's there to help me. And right. God has put people in my life to help me in those times where I'm struggling. Right. Well, the Bible literally says that no, nothing is uncommon to a man. Nothing. Yeah. There's nothing, anything that you're going through that somebody else hasn't went through. You're right. And, right. uh, you know, even if you do give in to whatever it is, remember that, you know, condemnation, you know, if, if you're in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. I mean, the Bible literally says that those yeah. that are in Christ Jesus are in, are not in condemnation. So, I mean, that condemnation will interfere with your intimacy. I listened to this message called condemnation interferes with intimacy by uh, Gerald Jeffers, brother, oh, Gerald yeah. Jeffers, one yeah, of the best messages I've ever listened to uh, condemnation interferes with intimacy. And uh, that, that message was, I mean, I, I listened to it many times, you know, yeah. because it lifted me up out of a pit. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, submitting, having an accountability partner is, is so important because I have, had, I have had a moment in my life where I did not submit to my pastor and, and, it, and I made a mistake. And it, yeah. and it created a whirlwind of problems. Now, God got... God got us through it yeah. because he's merciful. And I, and because I, I got up and I just kept moving forward. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. If there's not anything that I've learned in all of this, it's just get up and move forward. Yeah. Because if you quit, then you, then you, then, then you failed. Yeah. You're not a failure if you keep getting up and moving forward, because if, if you get up and move forward, then you can still obtain the prize. And what is that prize? Well, it's that high calling. It's that, it's that, it's that, it's that one day I'm going to see him for as he is. And I'm, and I'm going to know him and be made like him. Right. You know, it's never too late. It's only too late when it's too late. Okay. Right. It's only too late when it's too late. If you don't keep, if you don't get up and you just keep going on and living in your sin and you die that way, then it's too late, mm -hmm. you know? So if I haven't learned anything in all of this is, is the best thing any of us can do is just keep moving forward, you know, yeah. and don't, don't live in your yesterdays because yesterday's gone and guess what? Tomorrow hadn't came yet. And all you really have is today. That's why I'm going to serve Jesus today. Amen. I'm going to serve him today, no matter what happened. Yeah. <clears throat> Praise Amen. the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. So uh, I think I have like two more questions but you answered one of them so but on witnessing to the loss why is this important well for one i don't i personally do not believe that you can keep what you have if you don't give it back mm. okay he he gave us a gift okay yeah. and what is that gift it's the holy ghost okay but the holy ghost is a river that's supposed to always be flowing it's supposed to always flow he made you to be a giver. Yeah. He made you to be a giver. He didn't make, he didn't make you, he didn't make you for you to selfishly keep what you got. You're not going to be able to keep what you have if you're not willing to give it back. You know, yeah. go, go to the, the, to the, the parable of the talents, you know, and I could butcher this, but one had 10, one had five and one had one. 
the one that the one that had 10 went and multiplied his one that had five went and multiplied his one had one buried his in the sand okay well guess what he buried his in the sand and the i i, I could be butchering this but the reapers came or no his no the the uh the the one that he was the the his master came yeah okay and wanted to know where that talent was and he had to tell him you know sir, I, I buried it, you know, because I knew that you were, that you were a harsh man. And, uh, so I, so I buried it. Well, the reapers came and got him and drug him off to a place where there was going to be weeping in that, in the gnashing of teeth. So basically what I get from that is he did not make himself useful. Okay. Mm-hmm. He did not make himself useful. Right. The, the other two were useful. They were, they were utilizing what had been given to them and they were multiplying it. God expects us to bear fruit. Mm-hmm. He expects us to bear fruit. And the thing is, one of the reasons why, one of the reasons why God's church, especially in America, is not moot, which I mean, I know he's stirring it up and God's doing the work. I see it. I feel it in the spirit. But, you know, the thing is, so many people are living a contradiction. Mm-hmm. You know, so many, so many people are, you know, they profess holiness. You know, they go to the church house and they have church and they love the message. And but then they come home and they they fill their heart up with evil things mm-hmm. like murder and, and sexual morality. And and they're entertained by it. they're entertained by the very things that God hates. They're entertained they're, they're entertained. I mean, the Bible says that Satan, that Lucifer was a murderer and a liar from the beginning. So if I go and I fill my heart up with movies, TV or internet, whatever it is, whatever you're, whatever you're looking at, if I fill my heart up with the things that are of the nature of the devil and I'm sitting there watching it and I'm being entertained by it, then what does that make me? That makes me a hypocrite, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's the thing. That's one of the reasons one of the reasons why people don't get used, they don't reach their potential in God is because they're so weighed down. They're so heavy. You know, their, their spirits getting full of the, the, the things that, that God hates, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, the call is to holiness and to bear fruit. Yeah. Okay. So for us to be able to reach our potential in God, you know, for, for him to be able to use us in the way that he wants to use us, we have to put the evil away from us. Yeah. Hey, we have to put the evil away from us. And if, and if we will strive to be pure, if we will strive to keep our eye single, the Bible says, the Bible says that the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye be full of darkness, woe is that darkness. But if your eye be full of light, then, then great is that light. So, you know, if, if, if we have a single eye, a single focus, a single heart, then we will bear fruit. If you are crucifying your flesh, if you are spending time with him in prayer, fasting, denying yourself, cutting off the things that, I mean, when you fast and you pray, you know, you are, you are literally, you are putting your, your carnal appetite to death. Mm -hmm. That is what is getting in your way, in your witness. It's your carnal appetite. People, they don't, People do not serve God through their spirit. They're trying to serve God by their belly. Mm. You have to put your appetite to death. Your sensual, fleshly, carnal appetite has to die. 
Okay, because it's 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 iniquity to God. It's in it's in opposition. So for me to reach my potential in Him, I have to be willing to put the, to death the deeds of my body. I have to be willing, you know, to to be a lover of God and not a lover of pleasure. You know, because if I'm if I'm a lover of pleasure and I'm trying to love God on the side, He ain't gonna use me because I'm trying to serve two masters. You know, I have to have a single, a single focus. You know, my heart, ha- he wants all of me, not just some of me. He wants right. all of me. I, I'm called to love the Lord thy God with all my heart, all mm. my mind, all my soul, and all my strength. That's my everything. That's ever every fiber of my being, all that I am. Yeah. So how can I be, how can I love him and bear fruit to him? If I'm if I'm if I'm watching and looking at and listening to and doing the very things that's in opposition to it. Right. I mean, if 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 I'm entertained by the things that he doesn't approve of and I'm entertained by it, then that then I'm then I'm approving of it. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's the problem is a lot of people. That's what they're doing. And it's just lukewarmness. You know, it's just. It's idleness, you know, it's being lazy spiritually. It's, it's spiritual laziness yeah. and, uh, you know, God's not happy with it. It's, it's idol worship. It's, it's literally idol worship. Look, when you go to the old, under the old covenant, if, if you had, if you had, uh, the old covenant church, if there were believers, you know, of his church, his people, the Israelites, if they were trying to tempt other Israelites into going and worshiping the the gods of the land, God killed them. He killed them. Why is that? Because the gods of the land were given over to all kinds of sexual morality. They were passing their children through the fire, literally killing their children. They were wicked. And that's why God, he didn't put up with that stuff. It was idol worship. People, they thought, well, God is mean. He, he just went around, he went around killing a bunch of people. No, you have to understand why he was doing what he was doing. He was cleansing the land of the filth because he hates sin. He hates it. And the thing is, if I'm entertained by the very things that he hates, whether I'm doing it or not, if I'm entertained by it, then I might as well be doing it. <laughs> In his eyes, I'm 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 committing adultery spiritually. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's a lot of reasons why the the, the his people don't bear fruit. Yeah. You know, if somebody wants to win souls, then they need to go get with their heavenly Father. They need to push away the plate. They need to do some fasting. They need to spend some time with him and make love to your to your make love to the to the husband. Yeah. I'm just saying we're the bride of Christ, yeah. and when you spend time with him. Look, you know what he's going to do? You know what you know what's going to be birthed from that? Yeah. New believers. Yep. New believers. Because he's going to he's going to plant in you and you're going to go out and you're going to plant in somebody. Right. Right. The more I, the I was looking up this scripture. I'm not trying to interrupt. I'm, no, you're I'm listening. My bad. But I was looking up this scripture and it's 2 Timothy 2 and 21 and it's therefore if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Amen. I love that scripture. I do too. But, but, but notice that scripture. Notice that he says, if you cleanseth yourself. Right. 
yourself. So we have to do a work. Right. We have to do it. We have to put the evil away from us. Yeah. You know, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible says, resist the devil, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. You know, so, you know, we, we have to draw close to him. We have to put the, I mean, look, if you know he wouldn't do it, you got to ask yourself everything that you're doing, would he do it? Would he listen to this? Would he watch this? Would he say this? Would he do this? And if you know the answer to that, then then why are you doing it? I mean, hey, I've dropped the ball. I've messed up. I've done it. I've been there. I had to repent. That's he's he's cut some branches off of me because you know I, I had I've I've backslid before. You know I've played the part. I've I've I I had the look. You know I he and and to some extent he was even still kind of using me a little bit, mm-hmm. but not, I wasn't reaching my potential because I just, right. I had some things about me that just wasn't right. I had some stuff in my heart. It just wasn't right. You know. Yeah. I'm just saying, I mean, that's the thing, you know, the Bible says blessed are blessed are those that are, are pure in heart for they shall see God, you know? So, you know, purity is something, you know, that, that I have to do though. I'm the right. one that has to purify my own self. I remember a long time ago I was praying and I was asking God, purify me, God, purify me. Ah. And then I went to church and there was a tongue and an interpretation and Cause I, I was, I was praying about not falling away. Cause I remember I read in Hebrews chapter six, where it talks about uh, how, if, if, and it's, it's talking about the apostate Christ, Christian and it talks mm-hmm. about how, if, uh, if they fall away, how they, how, how it is impossible to renew them unto repentance, seeing that they crucify the son of God and put him to an open shame. And I remember reading that and I just remember thinking, oh my God, I don't want to do that. You know? And I remember praying, oh God, oh God, please don't ever let me fall away. Purify me, God. And I remember I went to church and, and there was a tongue and interpretation and God says, you will go through many trials. Don't fall away and purify your own self. <laughs> I was like, dang, Lord. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean we, really. want, we want God to do everything. We I want know him it. to do, we want him to do everything. And it's so crazy to me. I mean, it is, it is what it is. But when I see people and it's just like, you know, you have to do the work, right? Yeah. You, you, you know that you have to do the work. Like, you know that you have to show up. You know that you have to pray. You yeah. know that you have to submit yourself. You you know you have to do all that because so that you can be the vessel, so that you can be a vessel. And when I saw that scripture, that was kind of my oh I, I have to like I have to be pure, right? You know I have to walk in that and I have to be holy and and I don't know what all this means. You know I don't know I know, and it started to it started to shift when I really gave started to be consistent in my tithing which right. that's a whole nother subject, but yep. things started to really break for me. And I started to break through when I was consistent in that area of, of me in my journey. Right. And so it, it was like, I, I want you, okay. I want your whole heart. You know, well, this is just you. a part of it. He wants and all of it. He wants all of it. And so was it, but we have to do a work. Who was it? Hezekiah that tore down the altars. Yes. In his reign. So he had to, he tore down all those altars and that was not of God. And that's how we have to do. We have to tear down everything, 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 everything that we know is a high place. 
everything that we know is an altar, everything that we know that, you know, uh, anything that we know that God wouldn't approve of, we have to get rid of it. Yeah. We have to burn it down. I mean, yeah. that's just, we got to burn it down. We got to offer it up on the altar of repentance, burn it up on the altar of repentance. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's that simple. And the thing is, you know, a lot of people struggle. They're like, well, well, what am I going to do with my time? You know, I don't, I don't have anything to do. And the thing is though, if you are praying and you are spending time in fasting, one of the things that fasting does for me is it helps me to be content. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't get bored. If I'm praying and fasting, like I'm supposed to, I don't get bored Mm -hmm. because I have a contentment that only comes from that because Mm -hmm. when I'm praying and I'm fasting, what it does is, is it brings about, more Jesus in my life. It's less of me and more of him. So I have a, I have a greater, I have a greater uh, acknowledgement of him. I have a, I have a greater, uh, I have a greater presence of him in my life, you know, and with that, you know, it allows me, I want to put those things away. I don't want to do those things. I don't have no desire. You know, I want to do the things that pleases God. You know, I want to do those things. I'm going after those things, you know, And uh, so it, it actually makes it easier to live for God. And that's oh, yeah. uh, Brother Fout. I love his saying where he, he, he'll say it's easy. It's easy to live for God hard, but it's hard to live for God easy. And that's so true. That's oh, yeah. such a fact. You know, that's really the way it is. Yeah. You know, so when I'm willing to do the things that are that are can be kind of difficult. But think about fasting. Once you do it a while, it's really not that bad. You know, you build up. You know, yeah. it's just, like I, I like to relate it to running. You know, when I first started running, I, I ran two miles, you know, but then I started running four miles and then I could, I got to where I could run six miles. The next thing I'm, next thing I know, I'm running eight and nine miles, you know, that's the same way. Mm-hmm. Then when I, when I go on a fast, I'm not, you know, I might do a day. I might just do a, a sun up to sundown fast. And I might do a day and a night. And then I might do two days and two nights. And I might do three days, and three nights, so on and so forth. You build up, you know. Definitely. Well, this conversation has been, Awesome. Awesome. So where can we find you? I know you ain't on social media, but. (laughs) Well, I mean, you can find me at the Pentecostals of El Dorado (laughs) and you can, you can go on uh, YouTube and go to Locust with Locust with Wild Honey Ministry. Now I just will say that I only have one video on that right now. And I still have a lot of critiquing that I got to do as far as just the the platform. You know, I got to yeah. put some a, a picture on there, and I hadn't really got that going the way I want it. But I am fixing to start. I am fixing to start posting some more some more videos on it, and uh, you know, so I'm I'm really I'm really hoping that I can get that going and and get some consistency to it. But uh, yeah. but other than other than that, you know, just Pentecostals of El Dorado. Hey, that's what's up. Come on. Well, I sure appreciate you coming and joining me. This was hey, I enjoyed it. This was a good conversation. Yeah, I think we. I think we both knocked it out the park. Praise the Lord. Yes, amen. Well, I thank you again, and you'll be back. You'll be back on here. (laughs) We're gonna we're gonna get you set up on YouTube. (laughs) That sounds good. So that the people can hear you and and your voice can be heard for the lost (laughs) because. We need it. We need it. Amen. So I agree.